Love you, man. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pastor Keith. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? We need to go to somebody's house for lunch that's barbecuing. I don't care if it's Cairo campus or Midtown campus. Can we go to somebody's? Who's barbecuing? Raise your hand. Y'all lying. Ain't nobody's hand up. We're not feeding that big Negro. He might eat way too much. <laughs> I love being here, y'all. I love every time I have an opportunity to come. This is one of the great churches in America, and I thank God for the church. And at this particular time, I want y'all to join me in helping to welcome the Midtown Church, Midtown Campus, as well as the Downtown Campus, DuPage, the Chapel, Cairo, your online watchers, as well as all of y'all campuses, would you please welcome the church here? Everybody give everybody a hand. You know, Pastor Keith, when I first started coming five years ago, I think it was just the Midtown campus, and the Lord is, is growing this body, and I thank God because uh, I really love your pastors. I said, I really love your pastors, and uh, they, they are awesome. My, my church is finishing. I pastor at a church in McKinney, Texas, which is just north of Dallas, as many of you know, and uh, Lord, I just pray that you're being glorified in it there. And uh, all, all the churches that are preaching the glorious, awesome, mighty, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus. I pray that, that God, you be glorified from Cairo all the way to Chico, California. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen and amen. Well, I'm, I'm with you. The time clock has not started yet, so I think the first couple of minutes were free. And so uh, is that all right with y'all? Uh, the Cowboys don't play until Thursday, so I can go a couple hours. Is that okay with y'all? Y'all good with that? Everybody cool? You give me some chicken wings, baby, I'll go all afternoon long. But I know that some of y'all will start leaving at 12.05, and so will I. Amen? I got a lot to put in 40 minutes, so I need to uh, get going right away. I, I have a text here that, that the Lord gave me upon my heart when Pastor Keith told me what Pastor Alex's theme is. And I love the theme. I love my church. I needed to make that theme fit my personality, and I'm ghetto, so I kind of ghettoized that theme. And, and so um, the title of today's sermon is, I love my church, but I gotta love God Mo." Now, I know some of you would like to hear more, and so you can interpret that as more if you wish, but I'm gonna say Mo because I like it. So I want y'all to rehearse after me. I love my church. Oh, come on. Can we get a little louder? Can you beat the Lutherans this Sunday morning? I was just in Rochester, Minnesota, and going to a tater tot casserole festival up there. But can you get a little louder? I love my church, but I love God more. I love God more. Can y'all say amen? I want you to turn to Ezekiel, the 34th chapter. God really is speaking to us. Father, I thank you that you spoke to the first service. I thank you that you're going to speak to us this second service. I thank you, Father, that all over this country, stretching all the way to Egypt, uh, your voice is being proclaimed this very day. To that online audience, I thank you that they are, they are connecting on. And I pray that they have church, not church, but church. 
like the worship pastor said, that they have an encounter with Almighty God. That is my prayer for every one of us. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. How many of you know you didn't come to church to show off your latest outfit? I said, how many of you know you didn't come to church to make a business deal? How many of you know you didn't come to church to hook up with somebody? Come on. I said, how many of you know you didn't come to church or you should not have come to church to try to impress the pe people you don't even know? How many of you know you didn't come to church to try to appease the sensibilities of folks you don't even like? I came to church because I need almighty God to give me a word. Seven of you. I said, I came to church because I don't need to hear Dr. Flip Flap. I don't need stained glass windows and padded pews. What I do need is a spirit-filled man of God who will preach the word of God because if he doesn't preach the word of God, I won't be set free. Somebody shout amen like you mean it. Amen. amen. This is the word of God, Ezekiel chapter number 34. Ezekiel chapter number 34. I want to read uh, several verses, if you don't mind, beginning with verse number 11. Ezekiel chapter 34. And it might even be up on the screen. Maybe it, maybe it isn't, but just follow along with me if you don't have your Bibles. I love my church, but I got to love God. I like that, y'all. You won't forget that. How many of you know that 50% of what you hear you forget just like that, or the remaining 50% you lose 38% over the next 24 hours? How many of you know that? I said 50% of what you hear is gone just like that. That's why when, when somebody preaches, that's why just you'll go out, you'll go out in the parking lot and, and you'll, somebody will ask you, well, well, what did he preach on? And you'll go, uh, Jesus. <laughs> I was a college professor as well as being on the football coaching staff. I was a professor for 20 years at A&M in critical communication. It is amazing how we don't listen. I said it is amazing how easily we dis distracted we are. Robin Sharma, a business consultant, says the average knowledge-based person in America is distracted a minimum of two hours a day, interrupted once every 11, 11 minutes. Then it takes 30 minutes to return back to an alpha level of thinking. Listen to the points on that algorithm one more time. Distracted a minimum of two hours a day, interrupted once every 11 minutes, then it takes 30 minutes to return back to an alpha level of thinking. I'm right there. I have a deadline I'm working on just this past Thursday or Friday. I have to finish this deadline. Uh, and every, whenever that, 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 that audio cue goes off to tell you you have emails, I want to just leave one screen and go right to the email screen. Do I have a witness out there anywhere? Does anybody? We are so easily distracted in this culture of ours that combined with not listening makes it horrific to come in and hear the word of the Lord. That's why when I woke up this morning, really early, around 3.30, looking for somebody to talk to, couldn't find anybody in the hotel room, I started praying for the church, the campuses of the church. And this is what I prayed. Father, give them ears to, eyes to, and a heart to perceive what the Spirit is wanting to say. You'll get to lunch. You'll get to all the places you need to go. But corporately, we need to hear the Word of God today like never before. We got folks in the same sexual lineage getting married, and we got the Supreme Court endorsing it. I thank God I serve the supreme being who trumps the supreme court. Can you say amen? We have children murdering adults, murdering each other. 
We, we used to honor police. I'm here to tell you I still do. I said, I'm here to tell you I still do. We need the word of God. I said, we need the word of God. Husbands, you better be leading your families. If you call yourself a man of God, act like a man of God. Let me come over here where somebody's listening. Wives, mothers, if you call yourself a woman of God, act like a woman of God. There's certain places you don't go and there's certain clothing you don't wear. Men, if she ain't your woman, get her number out of your phone. Boy, I feel like preaching, y'all. I'm telling you. I better get to my text. My whole point is this. There's never been a time that I have studied or lived in history more in need of Christians acting like authentic Christ followers than today. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? You can't just come to church and look cute and leave anymore. You, can, you could have got away with it in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. But today, there's too much at stake. There are folks all around you going to hell. There are white folks acting crazy, stupid. Black folks acting crazy, stupid. Asians and Hispanics acting crazy and stupid. We're, we've reared a generation of entitled kids who talk back to their parents. I'm 59 years old. I got a Texas daddy and an Oklahoma mama. When they said jump, you said how high? Do I have a witness out there? Huh? A timeout? A time, are you kidding? I can time how long I was knocked out, but we didn't have no timeout. My mother was the godly woman. Oh, she was a godly woman. I mean, spirit-filled, strong, believing Christian and carried a gun in her purse until she died. She's from Oakmonkey, Oklahoma. Does that, does that? And carried a gun in the church. Don't care about no permit. Don't care about what you think or what the law said. Peace be still, baby. Do y'all hear what I'm saying to you? Yeah, baby. Well, I think we need to return back to when yay was yay and nay was nay. I think that we, would, we, we need to return back to a time where the Bible rules and reigns in our home. Fathers, I want to talk to you for just a second. The problem, as I see it in American culture, is a breakdown of the family. And so I love my church, but I've got to love God, Mo. If our society has a fighting chance, we've got to leave the church and let our light shine in such a way that men will see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. Can somebody shout amen? amen. Shout amen like you mean it. It's time for the church to get off your fat behinds and get back into the streets and start moving in the spirit. Amen? Sixteen of you are clapping, but that's all right. I'm still going to pe preach truth. Amen? Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 16. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places which they are scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. 
There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. Listen carefully to verse 16. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong, but the fat and the strong, but the fat and the strong, I will destroy. I will feed them judgment. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. And may we be blessed. Father, just open our hearts. We really need you. Would you make that personal? Just say, Lord, I need you today. Come on, y'all. Lord, I need you today. Lord, I need to hear a word from you today. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? Ezekiel is a marvelous, marvelous book. Spend some time and dig deeply in Ezekiel. Anytime, anytime a book opens up with a prophet of God in the presence of God and falling flat on his, on his face, there might be some, some nuggets there that you might just want to call. And when we get to the 11th chapter of, of the book of Ezekiel, it is absolutely marvelous because it's a picture of a restored, rejuvenated uh, Israel. And, and, and that picture, in a broader sense, speaks of all of us, that the Lord, in his infinite mercy, wants to rescue. I want to rescue those who are lost. I want to rescue those that are scattered. And I want to bring them back into the church. I want to bring them back into the fold. Did you hear the scripture this morning? I want them to come to a rich pasture. Somebody say rich pasture. I want them to come back to a good pasture where they can graze, where they can eat, where they can be fed, and where they can rest. And then we'll grow them up, and then we'll send them out so they'll multiply and so on and so forth. What is God saying? God is saying, in, 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 he's saying two things. Number one, God is saying, what, what are you doing to make sure that this place is inviting, to make sure that Midtown is inviting, to make sure that the chapel is inviting, to make sure the church in Cairo is inviting, to, to make sure that wherever you're worshiping this morning is a safe and rich pasture. What are you doing? Are you just coming to church but not contributing? That's what God is saying. You see, I don't believe in volunteerism. I, I really don't. I believe that we should work as unto the Lord. And if that means being a parking attendant or giving the, the announcements, whatever you do, you do as unto the Lord. We used to have a, a line in football that would always say this, the goal is more important than the role. That the goal is the national championship. And it's far more important than the role that somebody else plays. Well, let me tell you something. The goal is to glorify the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. I don't know if the microphone's working, Pastor Keith. I said the goal is to glorify the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Now, when we would come up here and get our, get our behinds beat by, by Oklahoma and by Oklahoma State in recent years, let me tell you, I heard folks screaming. I can't get y'all to say amen out there. I said the goal is to glorify the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And we ought to be about the business of doing that. And we will do that if we love God more than we love the church. I love my church, but I love God. Boy, I love y'all this morning. Uh-oh, there's a warning. Look at verse number 16. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. All through the Bible, the fat and the strong are archetypes for stiff-necked Christians. For, keep looking straight ahead like I'm not talking to you. For Christians that, that, that just don't get it. For, for believers that, that for whatever reason, uh, they have forgotten God. 
And, and, and God says, because you have forgotten me, because you have hardened your heart against me, uh, this is what I am going to do. I am going to reject you, and I am going to destroy you. Look at verse number 16. And then I will feed you the judgment that you deserve. That's a very powerful indictment. And so the questions that I want to pose to y'all are these. Two simple questions. Are you ready? If you are, say I'm listening. How are you making your church a good and rich pasture for the loss? Is this a church that a riff of berry could have come to? Was, was that pop powerful last week? Is, is this a church that she could have come to? Or, or is this the kind of church that when somebody different from you and doesn't have both eyes and uh, might be jacked up from a motorcycle accident and may not vote like you and might not even smell like you, is this the kind of church that turns their nose? Because I got news for you. All of y'all are messed up in one way or another. So if you want to create a rich and safe pasture, get over your color. White folks, stop acting so arrogant. It's a vestige of colonialism. Get over that and get on with the program of God. Black folks, stop coloring everything with colors. It's a vestige of, yes, it's a vestige of colonialism. Get over it and make the color crimson from the Calvary of cross. I said the cross ought to be the greatest color. Amen? You know what I'm saying today? Stop going out to lunch with the same four folks you've been going out to lunch with since 1989. <laughs> Invite a Democrat to lunch. <laughs> they, they can't pay on their own. Invite a Republican to lunch. How many of you know that your God is not Democrat nor Republican? I think we need to start being more inviting in the church. I said I think we not need to start being more inviting in the church. I said, I th hey, listen, we accepted you, and look at you. We need to be more inviting in the church. I like it, sir, that you, that you wear short pants. You, you, the white guy right over here. Uh, I, think, I think wearing short pants, I think that's awesome that women can wear pants. Can the lady say amen? I think it's absolutely fine. You come as you are. Do you know that you're Jesus? He accepts you as you are. You don't have to get, this is what I like about God. You don't have to get all gussied up and put on brute or creed depending on your cash flow. You don't have to, you don't have to get Vitalis slicked up in your hair. You don't even have to have hair, Pastor Keith. All you got to do is just come as you are. But what happens when they start coming as they are? I'll tell you what happens. We start looking at them and start saying, we ain't that kind of church. It kind of reminds me of a story in the Bible when Jesus was at Simon's house and a woman busted past security and poured the most valuable thing a prostitute has, and that is the thing that would make her body smell good, poured it on the feet of Jesus and Simon said to himself, if Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't even want her around. And Jesus says, Simon, I've been in your house for a while. You haven't washed my feet. You haven't kissed my feet. You haven't loved on me. But take a look at this woman. What kind of church do you want? What kind of church do you want? I'm done with country club churches. Nothing against the country club. But if I want to go to my country club, I drive to my country club. 
Come on, somebody. I love being in the country club. I love playing golf at the country club. But I don't want my church to be exclusive. Well, y'all ain't hearing me this morning. I don't, you know what we better get? We, we better get used to the rift that's coming in. I said, we better get used to the, the Rifka berries coming in. That's an indication that there are people here who love their God more than the processes and the formulas and the programs of the church. Processes and formulas are great. I said, they're great. You know what I remember? I remember when I weighed 400 pounds. I don't think I was here at that time, was I? I was big. This might be a redundant statement. <laughs> I can make love to a bucket of chicken. Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? That might be too much of a visual right before lunch. I weigh about 268 now. I've lost over 130 pounds. That's all right. I still got a ways to go. Watch this. I can remember, I fly a lot, right? I can remember getting on an airplane, and I'm either Bishop Jakes or CeeLo Green when I get on the airplane. And I remember, because I fly a lot, I'm upgraded. And so I'm walking through first class, 400 pounds. Folks looking like this. Watch carefully, because this is what we do in the church. Mm -hmm. I wonder who I'm talking to right now. Just keep looking straight ahead. Well, I hope, I hope he doesn't come sit next to me. I hope he doesn't come sit on my, my row. Ooh, Lord, I won't be able to use my armrest. <laughs> I sure hope he don't have to go to the bathroom. If he does, I hope he got some pats of butter in his pocket because he won't be able to get out of there. And we come into the house of God with our blinders on. And soon as somebody looks different from us, can I come down here, camera folks? Okay. Soon as. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> soon as somebody looks different from us, soon as somebody votes different from us, oh. You have to, hmm. Soon as somebody talks different from us, soon as somebody doesn't watch Fox and get all their news from Fox, by the way, let me tell you, as a former television reporter, every news channel has a spin. As soon as somebody doesn't get all their information from Fox, as soon as Africans come in here and do the zoo, we have an African in our congregation, gets happy and does the Zulu war chant. And she is welcomed by Pastor Rick. Long as you don't get out of order, I'm cool. Amen? They come in differently. They look differently. And this is what we do. Just like this. And what I'm telling you is it's an indication that you love the church more than you love God. This is a word from the Lord, and it's not an easy word to tell. It's not the kind of word that you're going to want to go out and get the CDs. But God told me to preach this word, and I have to obey God. Can somebody say, oh, man? Amen. Not old man, but can somebody say amen? You can say old man if you want to. So here are the questions. How are you making this church inviting? That's question number one I see coming out of Ezekiel. I love this passage. I want to make the pasture rich. I want to make it safe. I want my sheep to come in here. I want them to eat. I want them to rest. Question number two. Excuse me. What is your response to the lost and scattered? Didn't Jesus, didn't God say in that passage, didn't God say, I will, I will go and I will search for the lost and I will find them. I will search for the scattered and I will gather them. Look up, everybody say, I'm listening. I'm listening. 
Do you know that there are lost and scattered on your block? I said, sir, in the red, do you know there are lost and scattered on your block back there in the red next to the lady in the blue? What's up, y'all? Do you know that there are lost and scattered on your block? Do you know, sir, that there are lost and scattered where you work? Guess what we do? Look up. Guess what we do? Mm-hmm. Rick Rigsby, do you know that this afternoon when you fly out of Tulsa at 547, there will be some lost and scattered in 3B, might be 4A, might be Brother Rick in 5C. Rick, are you going to do this? You see, it's so easy to walk right past them. That's why I like to spend as much time as I can in, in, the, in the book, one particular book. It's the, uh, it's the book of, of St. John. And I love to spend time in John, uh, particularly the story about the woman at the well. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Because I think that this, this is a perfect illustration of what I'm talking about. There, the woman at the well, it's John chapter number four. John chapter number four has two different people groups. We know the story about the woman at the well, right? But the two people groups are represented by Jesus and the disciples. Watch this. Everybody listen very carefully because you're in one of these camps. I said, sir, you're in one of these camps. Everybody pay attention. Watch this. You got the disciples. Guess where the disciples are going? Man, this is a Sumerian. We ain't got no business talking to her. We shouldn't even be here in the first place, Jesus. Let's walk right by her, and what do you want us to do? Go to the store, two loaves of bread and, and, and some sardines? All right. Well, so we're going to go to Kroger or wherever and get that, and you stay here. And guess what they're saying? They're saying, uh, we, we, we have not, we don't even see your humanity. Not only do we not, watch this, because some of y'all in here do the same thing on a daily basis. Not only do we not see your humanity, but we have no regard for your eternal security. And so we are going to stay in the comfort zone of our own cultural habits, even though it's going to mean that you'll probably go to hell. Are you indifferent to pain and to suffering and to difference? Do you see somebody different and immediately assign the title inferior to them, not worthy of your time? Church, listen to me very carefully. Enough is enough. Can somebody say amen, church? Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Second people group, Jesus. Look up. Jesus listened with his eyes and with his heart. The second type of people group represented are people who are empathetic. They listen intently. You know, we don't tend to listen in this society very well. I was a professor of co-humanication, the process of communicating. I taught how we talked ourselves into existence. We quietly ushered slavery in. We talked to usher slavery out. We had wars and, and rumors of wars, and we talked our way as a society to our present condition. Wars are represented by rhetorical weaponry. And so diplomacy rules the day, not listening. But one of the greatest rhetoricians in 2,500 years of co-humanication is a Roman rhetor named Cicero, who argued that listening may be the most important of all the communication needs. Yet, we don't listen. We hear, which is automatic. We hear, but we don't listen. Listening is intentional. Listening is purposeful. Jesus 
had to, for a variety of reasons, go through Samaria. And when confronted with this woman, he was purposeful and he was intentional. In other words, he didn't drive into his garage, close the garage door, and go through the side indoor entrance into his house and pretend like those that are going to hell don't exist. And I'm here to tell you, if you love your church more than you love God, you're going to be indifferent to the pain and the hurt all around you. They need you. They need you. Remember this. You used to be one of them. Lord, help me preach this this morning. And so Jesus is functioning in a way that he's trying to teach you something. What is he trying to teach you? Well, in 2015, we live in what I call an iPhone listening culture where we're walking right past all of the screams and cries for help. And why can't we hear them? Because we have our earbuds in our ears. Let me tell you something. There is no place in the Bible where I saw Jesus walk the streets of Jerusalem with his fingers in his ears and his eyes covered up. But every day, on Sunday, we talk about how we want to be more like Jesus. Every Sunday, we sing songs. Oh, make me like Jesus. Cornerstone. He's my cornerstone. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, walking like this. I haven't come here to condemn. We're all in the same hospital. Some of us got there earlier than others. I've come here to encourage you to go to the next level. Are you ready to go to the next level, church? Say amen. You've got to love God more than you love your church. And when you do, the world will see you. I said, when you do, the world will see you. Friends, I know you love your church. But when you love having church, listen carefully. If you don't hear anything else this morning, listen to this. When you love having church, sir in the red, when you love having church more than you love the one who created church, all you're doing is creating traditions and rituals. And guess what we've done in American society? We've created traditions and rituals to the point that we are in the midst of one of the greatest missionary movements ever, and the Western church is nowhere at the epicenter. Where are my missionaries here? Raise your hands. Where are my missionaries here? You missionaries already know that leading the charge, India, South Africa. Are y'all kidding me? Yes. India, South Africa, Asian countries. Leading the missionary charge. Guess what we're leading? The scoreboard totals that say apathy, arrogance. Do you folks know that there are missionaries that are ministering in Brooklyn today from other countries? In New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, the Midwest. One, one person came up after service and told me that there were missionaries in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, ministering to people that don't know people groups that don't know Jesus. I got good news for you. I said, I got good news for you. You don't have to leave your block. You don't have to leave your zip code. Just let your light shine in such a way that men will see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? If the fence needs painting, paint the fence. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this. You don't want to hear this. You want to hear some cute little sweet message. There's no time for cute sweet messages. Jesus is coming soon. 
I said, there's no time for cute and sweet messages. The, the church has been sitting long enough. I said, the church has been sitting long enough. If this was, if this was a locker room and I was, my job was to fire you up, do you know what I would say? Make a play. Make a play. Some of the University of Texas didn't. Anyway, make a play. I'm not supposed to put dated material in this, but make a play. That's what I would say to you. Make a play. In other words, get off your stinking behinds. Do you know that God has allowed some of you to retire so that you can have more time to mentor young ones? These young folks have zero common sense. I know. I got two or three of them Negroes living in my house. But when their na my neighbor comes over and talks to them, gee, Dad, Biff and Cindy, they are really smart. They said that, that, that the sign of an orderly mind is the, the, the sign of, an, of, of a room that is orderly. And so I think, Dad, that's great. Why don't you take your crazy butt next door and live with Biff then? We need some older folks to talk to some Ruths about how you're supposed to function in society as a godly woman. I said, we need some Caleb's out there that will say, give me back that mountain. He's 80-some years old. That's the time you're eating yogurt because you have to. <laughs> Wearing them ugly onesies. God bless y'all. Shoes look like they made out of rubber. Driving a Winnebago with a Gilligan's Island skipper cap on. We need you in the kingdom. I said, every age, we need you. Every single make a play. Do something. Prove to God that you love your... If not, guess what you're doing? You're making traditions out of your church service. Can I give you all an example? Y'all have wonderful worship. Is the worship team here? Raise your hands, members of the worship team, if you're here. I see two, three... Raise your hands high. Let me see you. I picked on the worship team first service. So I think I need to pick on them again. But I want to make a point. It's not about the worship team, this worship team. Would you agree with me that they're awesome? We've already clapped. But would you agree they're awesome? Okay, watch this. Watch this now. Watch. If, if you don't get the purpose of God because you see your life as separate from the church, because you love the church environment or the concept of church more than you love God, everything that goes on in the church is nothing but programs and rituals to you, and you're going to leave frustrated and disappointed every single Sunday. So do you know, not you, but maybe your neighbor, will come to church, and this is what you see. Your definition of worship is four or five songs that have been carefully selected. That's your definition of worship. And, and, and when, when they play your favorite song, boy, you on a high. I mean, Right over here, you got this one dancing over here like Tina Turner, right? And that's your favorite. And then you got this other solid gold dancer dancing over here on the left. And, 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 and you got Van Halen back here on one guitar. And you got the, the quiet librarian up there on the, on the, on the keyboards. And, and then over here, you got, oh, you got Mr. Ponytail right here, baby. 
You, you got the ponytail right here, and ladies love a, a bad man. He's a bad man because he got a ponytail. And, and Van Halen, he, he, he's modeling the guitar move. The, the wider your stance is, the cooler you look. I better be careful. I won't be able to finish this sermon. But y'all hear what I'm saying? So he's playing the guitar. You hear what I'm saying? Oh, Lord, somebody help me up. And, and then the leader is Buddy Holly, baby. And, I mean, he is just smooth and slick, Jack. And so you have your favorite worship people. And so instead of entering worship, you're focused on them. You're focused on the song. Can I tell you something? The definition of worship isn't coming into church and hearing four or five songs. Would anybody be in here be interested in what the definition of worship is? Here's the definition of worship. I don't ever want you to forget this. Somebody say amen. Here's God's definition of worship. It is complete and total surrender to God and walking in that surrender 24-7. Don't clap, sir. Don't, don't clap. You don't need to clap. Just stay in that same condition of not worshiping. Because, see, the problem is the church doesn't see itself as completely, totally bought in to the things of God. And so as a result of that, everything is an inconvenience. And if they don't play my favorite song, and if my favorite worship member isn't up here worshiping, I'm just going to kind of tune out. And heaven forbid that they go too long. I said heaven forbid if they go too long. And do you know that the announcements, do you understand that that's worship? I said, do you understand that that is worship? Do you understand that the folks that prepare the food, that's worship. Do you understand that the people who work in a bookstore, do you understand that these camera people are worshiping the Lord as they serve the Lord? Do you get that? Do you understand that God created you to worship 24-7? The difference between our faith and other religions is that God, Almighty God, created his creatures to worship him, not just Sunday morning. Give me some evidence. How about Abraham and his son Isaac? We got to go up the road, uh, get some wood. We're going to go up to Mount Moriah, and we're going to worship. Israel Holden wasn't up there. The worship team wasn't up there. You worship by being totally submitted and surrendered to God. I'm going to tell you something. It'll change your marriage. It will change the relationships in your home. It will change the dynamic in your home. It will change everything if you submit everything to God in total adoration. So when you come here on Sunday morning, your whole mindset has changed. It has moved from what can I get to what can I give you, Lord? What can I give you, God? Lord, help me. Lord, help our church. I said, Lord, help our churches. Lord, help our churches. Lord, help our people to get it. Oh, Lord, let us return back to healings, back to miracles, back to telling the truth, back to thinking the best of people, back to doing what we say we're going to do. Father, help us to stop judging people so much by things we don't understand or things that we're not familiar with or things that we don't get. Father, help us seek the lost in our congregation. Father, help us seek the scattered in our congregation. Father, help us look for the unwed mother or the single father with kids. Help us invite somebody that seemingly is by themselves. Help us to encourage somebody. We have all the time in the world. We've been lied to by a world that says go, 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 do, 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 spin, 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 and bye, bye, bye. 
A year ago, I taught you all about capacity. Capacity is not contingent based on how much you have. Capacity is the contingent upon your priorities. So what is your priority? If your priority is the ritual and the tradition of the church, you'll miss God's mission. You'll miss the move of God. And I guarantee you, if you continue doing that, people on your block will go to hell. I know, I, I know. God warned me this wasn't going to be fun. But I, I want to tell you something. Fun time is over, church. I said fun time is over. I said fun time is over. I like preaching this message to folks that are 75 and older. They get it. My generation, we don't get it. We want to look pretty, look cute. I guarantee you if I was preaching about the, the, the softball team, I'd get a greater response. But God, you've told me to preach this, so I'm going to preach it. Preach what, Pastor Rick? We have confused, listen carefully. We have confused doing church with being the church. And as a result, we're entertaining the masses, and the masses are going to hell. Because I want to tell you something. They are looking for something that only the Bible can give them. I've been in Tajikistan the last three weeks in my studies. 99.4% Muslim out of a country of 8 million there are only 194,000 non-Muslim people groups. And, and I, I want to tell you something. The ones that convert to Christianity, you know what they say? I was looking for something real, something genuine, something authentic. May I tell you folks something? When I go from church to church, people don't care where I've been. Pastor Keith, they don't care about the books. You, you know, people ask me that are not saved. Excuse me, sir. Is that Jesus real? And can he help me? Friends, I have to tell you something. It's going to take a Herculean effort to come out of our cultural comfort zone in America and, and have the heart and the ears and the eyes of Jesus. But that is what he is calling us to do. And you will do that if you love God more than you love your church. It'll it'll do that, it, you'll do that if you're, if you're not indifferent. If you're not indifferent to people. God is begging with you. He's pleading with you. He's saying to you, would you just wake up just for a moment? Would you consider just for a moment loving your God more than loving your church? Well, pastor, I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a tall order. That's a tough call. There's a heavy price to pay. It, 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 there's a price to pay to being an authentic Christian. That is why an authentic Christian is a rare sight in 2015. Let me close. Let me close by telling you this, friends. I really believe with all my heart and with all my soul, God is saying, I want more of you. Listen to me. I believe God is saying to everybody in here, I want more. You know what God told me before I flew here? He told me, my son, I'm going to place a demand on the potential of my people at the church and all of the church's campuses. I'm placing a demand on them to take a step. Look at me. To take a step out of your comfort zone. You determine that step and God will help you. You determine how much, how far to go. And you let God help you. What are you, what are you saying to us, Pastor Rick? 
I love my church, friends. You love your church. But we must love God more than our church. And when we do, we will not be indifferent to the hurts. But we will work in here, in your campuses, to create a rich pasture, a safe pasture. And when we go out there, you won't walk past your neighbors. You won't walk past the gossipers. You won't walk past the people who are indifferent at work. You won't walk past the troublemakers. You won't have your earbuds in, but you'll see them with the eyes of Jesus. And you will hear them with the ears of Jesus. And you will feel their hurts with the heart of Jesus. And that is the word that God is saying, please don't be indifferent in these last times. Please, please, please consider being a Christian 24-7. The world, look up, look up. The world really needs to see the face of Jesus. Officer, go forth. Isn't that a great name? Go forth. Shot down in Houston last week. I looked at the face of his widow. Y'all know the story I'm talking about? I looked at the face of his widow. Hopeless. But how many of you know you don't even have to look in the face of a widow to see hopelessness? Just go to work. Just go to Walmart. Just go to the post office. Just go to Dairy Queen. Just go to McDonald's. Just go to Smokey Joe's. Just go to Starbucks. Just go to, just go, just go to uh, Old Navy. Just go to Bass Pro Shop. Just go to any high school campus, any middle school campus. Just go to any workplace. And look what you see. You see women at a well showing up, hoping that somebody doesn't figure them out, while most Christians are judging their very existence. Friend, God has brought me to Tulsa, Oklahoma today to tell you one thing. When you go, let people see Jesus. I close with this story. Four businessmen were coming home from a trip. It had been a long week, but they had promised their wives that they wanted to arrive at a timely manner on Friday. In order to catch their flight, they had quite a ways to go in their rental car to get back to the airport. They did not anticipate all the traffic getting back to the airport, and they were running extremely late. They parked the car at the rental car agency, and they literally ran through the doors of the airport. They're running down the terminal, all four of them with their suitcases. One of the suitcases hits a table, and the table falls over. There's somebody behind the table, but they seem oblivious to it, and they keep running down the hallway. They make it to the ticket counter. They get their tickets. They get through TSA, and they're they're, they're literally sighing a collective sigh of relief because they've made their flight. They're getting ready to board when one of the four guys says, wait, I can't go with y'all. The other guys go, what are you talking about? He said, you know what? We knocked over a table. I think there was somebody behind that table. I need to go check on them. The guys go, what? I need to go check on them. You, you call my wife. Tell her I'm going to be on the next flight. I'm going to go. Three guys board the plane. You know what this other guy does? He goes back through security, back to the beginning of the airport, goes all the way down the corridor, and to his horror, discovers that the table that was knocked over contained apples, and the person sitting behind the table was a blind woman who is now on the floor trying to fish for the apples. He says, excuse me, ma'am, one of my party members knocked over this table accidentally. Can I help you? She said, sure. He gets down on his hands and knees, and he starts picking up apples. He notices that the majority of the apples are bruised. 
He puts them in a basket. He finishes the task. He helps the lady up. He puts the apples that are bruised in a basket, places them back on the table, and then he opens up his wallet and pulls out two $20 bills. He grabs the woman's hand, and he says, Ma'am, I'm giving you $40. This should cover all the damaged apples that we caused, plus buy you some new apples. She said, Thank you so much. And as he was getting ready to leave, she fishes for his hand, grabs his hand, and says, excuse me, sir, may I ask you one question? And he said, sure. And she said, are you Jesus? Let's pray. And as we pray, I'd like to invite the campus pastors to come to the front. A voice is calling in the wilderness, Father. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God, where every valley will be exalted and mountains made low and the crooked places straight and the rough places plain. And Father, through our lives, let the glory of God be revealed so that all flesh will see it together. Father, we love our churches. We do. But show us, teach us, convict us to love you more so that the world will see Jesus in us. So that our priorities might change. So that instead of coming to church wanting to get something, wanting to hear the latest song, wanting to see the latest worship fads, that we walk in the door as worshipers. Because we've been worshiping all week long submitting our lives to you and that this corporate worship simply reinforces our private worship of you and you alone father may it be that we get a glimpse of your glory and that when we leave this place we won't walk past those who are different and we will no longer be indifferent to them because while we love our church we love you more. And it is our great privilege to show the world a risen Savior. Father, give us the courage to be authentic, genuine, real, sold out Christ followers. So much so that every day someone would stop us and say, excuse me, are you Jesus? I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus.